This week on Rotten or Righteous Mash and Sackcloth, we mispronounced the word Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican? Puerto Rican? Back to Rotten or Righteous, Mash and Sackcloth. <laughs> the only podcast that says you can keep your knee-high stockings. The only knee-highs we like are grape. <laughs> There's truth to that right there, too, by the way. I love knee-high grape. With me today, as always, he rules his kingdom with a plunger. He's Scott Judge. <laughs> Uh, I got jokes for that. I'm just going to refrain from them. I'm and me, often. It's, it's true. And me, well, I'm still just sorry that we're doing this. <laughs> In case you're new here, uh, we're reviewing every episode of MASH. We're on the second and third of 200 billion episodes. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But... Uh, if we sound a little bit more vibrant and bushy-tailed than usual, it's because this is a rare early morning edition of Rotten or Righteous. We're recording this at 9.30 Central, uh, 10.30 Eastern, which for me is at least two hours before the time I normally wake up. So, I like it. I, I feel, yeah, feel positive, feel upbeat. I'm a, I'm a night owl, Scott. I've... I've I just, I do my best work at night. I know. And for me, I'm like three hours away from my dinner and six hours away from bedtime. I know. But uh, before we get into the episode, as I was uh, talking with Scott before uh, coming on here, I had been gifted. I have been gifted, I should say. Um, I wouldn't say they're the, the best looking shirts in the world, but man, are they comfy. They're my favorite shirts now. Uh, they're they're fly fishing shirts, and I'm a I'm a big fat sweaty guy, and this shirt is just basically one big vent. It's one big shirt or mesh shirt <laughs> disguised as a rep or a presentable button up. But it's got a whole and bunch. It does. Of, it looks. It looks good, right? I but mean, it, when you when you when you came on, I'm looking at this, going, "Man, Zach must have a uh, have like a, a preaching responsibility or something today." Because no. it's, I mean, it's You're ridiculous. Sharp. I don't have any it preaching is, responsibilities. <laughs> on a Monday, come on! And the reason why I bring this up is because this shirt has so many bells and whistles. I guess you could say odds and ends. 
that uh, that I think that it'd be fun to discover some of them with you today, Scott. For example, oh boy, it's got two breast pockets, and as you can hear, they are uh, sealed with Velcro, which is oh, always nice. is always good. But above the left breast pocket, there's a it looks just like a little label lapel thing. But uh-huh. it too velcros off. Oh yeah, and totally you, different than the other side. You velcro it back. What that's for, I learned because I said, "What in the world could that possibly be for?" Well, that is to hold your fishing pole up, so you can, Nuh-uh. yeah, so you can set a line. Now, also under the left side uh, uh, shirt tail in the front, there's a bit of. Uh, microfiber cloth in the corner so you can clean your sunglasses and then over here's wow. a little a little piece of stretchy a little piece of stretchy underneath the right breast pocket you just clip your sunglasses right on there maybe a fly so it's basically the swiss army of shirts and i would wear it all the time if it didn't make me feel like a 55 year old man <laughs> i do see a lot of older people wearing this but okay so you you've you've mentioned some great features here place for your sunglasses clean your sunglasses work your pole in so you can so you can work uh, work work to sick that hook where's your pocket for your sandwich oh these 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 breast pockets scott they're big enough they can hold a sandwich or even a hoagie <laughs> a full a full six inch could fit in there just fine <laughs> Let me I ask you, Scott, what, what do I have to say to get you in a slightly used button-up 2XL <laughs> ventilated shirt? I tell you what you got to do. You got to get, get a lot of weight off me to get me into that slightly used 2XL. Oh, man. I'm not, I'm not squeezing into a 2XL. I'm just, I'm just saying, and I don't want anybody listening to this to think that I'm ungrateful for these shirts. I didn't know that they were fishing shirts when I first got them, and I've, I'm really into just uh, uh, vintage-ish looking short sleeve button-up shirts. You know, I've got some with flamingos you, on you, it. And, you like to fish, too. And flowers and stuff, but I didn't know they were fishing yeah. shirts. And when I put it on, at yeah. first, at first, I was like, uh, I don't know about this. But then I wore it, and I felt the breeze from the horizontal length back cut. On this shirt that leads uh-huh, into a yep. mesh breathable area on my back, and I said, "This is this is the shirt for a fat man everywhere. This is this is my life now. This is all I'm gonna wear. If I can't if I can't clean my sunglasses without a fear of scratching my lenses because there's not a little piece of microfiber underneath the left corner shirt tail, then I'm just I'm. It's just not worth the buy, is it? Exactly." It's the best shirt ever, and I know people are going, "Oh, you're being, you're being facetious." I am not. I am not. I, I ever since I had a baby, ever since I had a kid, uh, four years ago, I just find myself caring less and less about what I look like. <laughs> I'd like to tell you it gets better, but it, it doesn't. It's it's all about comfort. I wear Crocs um, mm-hmm. every every single moment of my life, except for when I'm on the pulpit. I wear jeans. Every single moment of my life, period. And, uh, yeah, it's all t-shirts and now, and now fishing shirts. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's the best. Shirt. I just, you know. You know, I'm just trying to think with your, with your, uh, right, your right breast pocket there. You could actually, like, uh, put, uh, put a bucket of minis in there. Now, see what I do with this one? 
is I put a roast, roast beef sandwich in my left breast pocket uh-huh. and a cup uh-huh. of au jus in my right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you thought that through. So no, that just popped into my head. That's the scary thing. That's how my brain oh, works, wow. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> a cup of au jus. Just a good old Bless cup, you. cup of au jus. All right, so if you have been with us for the last episode, you know we're in the middle of reviewing five billion episodes of MASH, uh, the TV show from the 70s starring Alan Alda as uh, as Hawkeye Pierce. Episode three, which is uh, titled... Requiem for a Heavyweight. Is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah, it is. I was on episode four. Yes. Episode three is called Requiem for a heavy or for a lightweight is what it's called. Oh, is it lightweight? It is okay. lightweight. And and let me tell you folks, this episode has it all. It's got pretty nurses with unpretty haircuts. It's got Pierce's just you know, classic horrifying sexism. It's got Horrifying. It's got implied adultery. It has everything a good episode of MASH needs to have. Let's 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 talk about the haircuts in the seventies. I just don't you know, there there were a lot of a lot of women that wore them really, really long, but then the short haircuts yeah. so much of the time just look not not good. Yeah, I don't understand it uh, per se. Because it's not even like it's not even like a pixie cut, you know? Like, some girls can get away with, like, short, spiky hair, and they look good. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just like, it's like a haircut that I would go get. It's, it's got, like, all these waves in it, and... It doesn't, it's just, and, and I'm not saying anything against, you do your hair the way you want to live it up, I mean... However you want to do it. Cut, yep. the, cut, cut the corners of the beard, we're not underneath that, that law anymore. Jesus nailed it to the cross. You cut your beard, cut your hair, do whatever you want. But, uh, uh, <laughs> so, so listen, when I was in high school, this is the 1980s. They had high school back then? 84. They did. They did. It was new. It was new, but we had it. Uh, so it, that was the age of the big hair. So, I mean, I went to school with girls that were anywhere between, uh, they had girls uh, back six then? Foot three and eight foot nine. Yeah, a couple of them. <laughs> and so to look back on these pictures from the seventies, which would have been common, when you like visit people's houses or there would still be, you know, the pictures at school and you would compare contrast that with the big hair, it looks so weird. Of course, now to look back on the big hair, it's no wonder we got holes in the ozone. Well, Scott, I would rather have gone to high school with the big hair. I went to high school in the aughts and that was mm-hmm. the age where all the young people in the world, for some reason, decided to stop bathing. Ooh. And so it was just greasy, gross hair, as far as the eye could see. I mean, are you being serious right now? That they just—I mean, like, yeah. I mean, there was—that's all I could really remember was like grunge had a had a comeback in the late aughts when I was in school, Ugh. and it was just a—it was just a gross time for hair. That and the, the preppy girls wore um wore a thing in their hair that made them have a bump on their head, like it made their yeah. their hair have a little lump in there, like they had a tumor. Mm-hmm protruding from the top of their scalps man that whole hygiene though i mean you know when i was in high school you you either bathed or showered at least one time a day and a lot of folks it was twice 
Yeah, I mean, I, I try to get a good shower in once a week at least. Well, you, you kind of, yeah, that's the thing. You reach that age where you got kids now, and you're like, I don't care if I stink or not. I mean, you, know, you do the old smell test, turn the shirt inside out, maybe slap a little more deodorant on and just yeah, go with it. That's what I do. I just go in the bathroom, take out a, a bottle of, a bottle of, uh, what is that? Uh, Aju. No, <laughs> a bottle of Aju. <laughs> Bottle of uh, what's oh that perfume Dracar Noir? Uh, just take yeah. a bottle of Dracar Noir, give myself a good horse bath before walking out the house, and I'm good Mix. to go. Speaking of which, you knothead, I remember when we were in school together, you you hijacked my phone and made a post for me about how I love to put bacon grease behind my behind my ears on warm spring mornings or something. Yeah, I don't remember Do that. You remember doing that? I don't, but it sounds like something I did. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was lots of comments on that one. Well, let's get into this episode. Referee and Fire Lightweight. The episode begins, as all good episodes of MASH begin, with an announcement over the PA that all everybody, all the surgeons of the whole world, need to report to the operating room. And men and women start running around the compound. And one uh, just so happens to be in the shower when this happened, one of these women. And she runs out in just a towel. And like I said, she's a good-looking woman, except for the hair. <laughs> and uh, she runs straight into the two worst people you'd ever want to be caught just in a towel in. And that's... Uh, <laughs> Truth. And that's Hawkeye and Trapper. And then poor Radar, man. He's, he's there, too. And uh, uh, they, of course, flirt with the half-naked nurse and somehow remove her towel. Uh, from her as she runs off to get dressed for her operating room. And, you know, both Hawkeye and Trapper give a little salute, and poor Radar gets an eyeful. Some, somehow, it's purely accident, the tail got removed. Who knows how it would have got caught on one, Pierce's finger. One I thing mean, I want to talk about in these early episodes is Radar's one of the only holdovers from the movie that the TV show is based on. But Radar... Radar uh, do, uh, does the opposite of matures. I don't know what the opposite of matures is, but throughout the series, like my radar that I picture, and and you'll see later in the series, you know he's he's uh, he, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, he only drinks grape sodas, and anytime a woman talks to him, he has to go hide because he's the most embarrassed person in the world. Scared to death. But this early radar man, he's like breaking into the, the the commander's office to drink his brandy and smoke his cigars, and he's just having the time of his life. I'm like, what radar is this? This isn't this isn't the radar that I know. Yeah, very very early, there was some sneaky, just conniving stuff out of him. And uh, you're 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 right because it seems like he should have only gotten worse, particularly hanging around. Uh, uh, Hawkeye all the time. Yeah, he was just an innocent young kid, which is weird because mm-hmm. I'm sure the guy that played him is like 60 by the time this show ends, but he still looks like he could be anywhere between 18 and 100. Mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. he's got such a weird, ageless face. Uh, <laughs> except you can always tell his age by the size of his mole on his forehead. The bigger it gets, the older yeah. he is. Uh, <laughs> Good old radar. So, 
The whole staff's working in the OR, and this naked nurse, her name's Cutler, by the way. Let's give her a name. I'm not Hawkeye. I don't, I do respect women. Uh, nurse Cutler. Nurse Cutler's working with Hawkeye, and, and they're working great together, man. She knows all the tools he needs, from sponges to clamps to suction, all of them. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, so we got Major Burns and Hot Lips, uh, Houlihan, they, they just looked over and realized that two people were enjoying themselves for once in this hellacious landscape that is Korea. And they got to put a stop to that because they're just horrible people. And uh, after surgery is done, Hawkeye Trapper and Cutler are, are, you know, getting a cup of coffee in the mess tent, having a great time. They're talking shop, flirting with Cutler. Everything's going well. And... That's when Margaret yells at Cutler from outside of the tent to meet her in her office. And so, Cutler leaves. Houlihan comes in, yells at the boys for talking to one of her nurses because, like I said, she's Satan in a blonde wig. And uh, the two of them both say, Yeah, I'd love to sit here and listen to you nag there, Margaret. It's my favorite time of the day. But uh, we just had 12 hours of surgery, so we're going to go and, and get some sleep. And they each go in opposite directions. Now what they're really doing is going to go flirt with Cutler some more. Because they can't take a hint that this is probably not in the best interest of this young lady's career. But as they leave, they each grab a gift for Cutler. Trapper grabs Frank's flowers that he's planting outside of, <laughs> outside of the swamp. Uh, the, the tent where they live, which is pretty good. Because Frank's out there planting these flowers. He runs inside to get his watering can. Trapper comes up, grabs the flowers, runs away. Then Frank comes out, starts watering, and then he notices flowers are gone. And then he gives that stupid Frank look. This is like, And it can't be imitated. It cannot be imitated. Not like Frank. Now, Hawkeye, on the other hand, just steals a woman's socks. Like, that's the gift that he thinks is going to be best for Cutler. Just just a pair of dirty stockings. I, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand his strategy here. <laughs> but if... if I, 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 I'm trying to put myself in this, this young woman's shoes. If a creepy man comes up to me and hands me some socks and said, Here, these are for you. I would probably say no. No, they're not. Mm -hmm. Those are not my socks. <laughs> Go away. You're wrong. <laughs> flowers, on the other hand. Flowers, on the other hand, nice. Now, keep my Trapper's married. He's very married. He's very, very married. And much married. to his chagrin, one of the biggest running jokes in the MASH is how much Trapper loves his wife. But he wishes that he didn't love his wife. But that doesn't stop him, apparently, from, you know... Going at it hard in a head-to-head -head Hawkeye to see who could be creepier towards this poor innocent nurse. When they both get to Cutler and present their gifts uh, to her, they find that she's packing because Houlihan kicked her, kicked her right out of the 4077, got her transferred for being a distraction. And uh, you know they're mad. They wanted to sexually harass this woman some more, and now they're not going to sure get the opportunity. Are you sure they weren't upset about her medical skill? Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure. It's pretty pretty positive. Two things I know for sure in MASH being in the seventies. Number one, any black character will only be allowed 
to be seen with another black character of the opposite sex. And Mm -hmm. every woman on that show is either a shrew, like Margaret (laughs) O'Houlihan. Why do I want to keep calling her O'Houlihan? Like Hot Lips. Like Hot Lips Houlihan. And, uh, or like Nurse Cutler being that week's eye candy for the -hmm. boys, uh, the boys' attention. That's a good way to call it, too. It seems like there's always an eye candy of the week. All right, so these uh, uh, Trapper and Hawkeye are upset because uh, Cutler's leaving, and they they just ugh, they just just gonna go do something about it. So they they run off to to Blake to Cur- or to Colonel Blake and to get him to to change his mind. But of course, Colonel Blake is he's not. He's not gonna go against Margaret Hotlips. Who are you kidding me? That'd be that'd be suicide. Unless Colonel Blake gets an idea. You see, just a few moments before Hawkeye and Trapper arrived, he was on the he was on the phone with with General Baker, and uh, General Baker, for some reason, and I'm sure this happens all the time in the army, uh, decided to in the middle of a war to have an inter. Mash group boxing tournament? Because if there's a few things you think of when you think about doctors in wartime, they're doing meatball surgery and they box. They're in there. They're like, hey, we got to get a fighter for this totally normal that happens all the time uh, boxing match that's going to be played in between the, the mash companies. And so Blake makes some deal. I said, hey, if one of you guys boxes... I'll 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 make sure Cutter doesn't get transferred. And they both just laugh and laugh because because they're doctors, not punchers. They're not boxers, <laughs> and it's all a fun joke until they walk out and see Cutler's doe eyes being driven away in a jeep. Mm. That's when really Hawkeye. That's when Hawkeye stepped up and he looked at the Trapper and said, "You know, I think it's time for me to be a man and say that you should fight." I'd do it myself, but I hurt my shoulder. Yeah. Back in college. Right. He says uh, later on that he hurt his shoulder on account of being spineless. Um, <laughs> pretty good joke. Which truly, I have no doubt, would cause shoulder issues. Now, Trapper reluctantly agrees. And so they get to training. They're running. Uh, now, Trapper's running while Hawkeye's in the back of a Jeep telling him to run faster, drinking a martini. They're sparring with they're sparring with radar, and radar O'Reilly gets a lucky shot at the stomach, and and Trapper just goes down. <laughs> the greatest joke I've ever heard on Mash so far happens during this scene. Margaret comes out <laughs> and sees that they're punching Frank's bag, and they go, and she just goes, "Is that Frank's bag?" And Hawkeye goes, "Oh, I thought you were Frank's bag." You were Frank's bag. That was a solid joke. <laughs> It really was. Do you you realize how fast you would be discharged for insulting a superior officer like that? Not if not. I don't. I don't think you would if you were the best surgeon in the world. Probably get away with a few subs. Best surgeon in the world. 
Well, of course he was. I that's what you were Frank's bag. That's what we found out next episode. But that's right. So they're fighting, and people are not having, or Trapper's not having a lot of uh, confidence in his fighting skills, and it gets even worse when, well, the person Trapper has to fight shows up. Radar comes into the swamp one day and and tells tells Trapper that the guy that he's supposed to fight is is huge, and he he's so strong that he wants punched a jeep and knocked it out whatever that means i don't know how you knock a jeep out but this guy did <laughs> you break the transmission maybe i don't know that's a great question but, great uh, question but trapper of course wants out of the fight but hawk is like no i got the perfect idea we're gonna work hard get you strong do a montage and you're gonna beat this guy fairly because you are a champion among men is not what he said because this is mash and he's hawkeye he said, I know an idea. Let's drug him. Let's soak your gloves in ether, shove it in this guy's face until he and shove it in this guy's face till he passes out. Great. It sounds like a plan to me. I mean, this is war. Are there rules in war? I mean, I feel like this is dumb. It's not war. This is just dumb. I don't. I'm sure there were boxing matches. I don't get me wrong, but they're supposed to be on the front lines or just a little bit behind the front lines. You're telling me they're going to send a guy who's strong enough to punch a jeep out to a, a, a mash hospital that's on the front lines to have a very legitimate boxing match. I'm just saying, this is a good thing that nobody got shot that day or needed yeah. medical attention. So the match, is, the match is about to start, all right? We've got the very first appearance of series regular Father Mulcahy uh, officiating. He's the army chaplain. And they start the fight, except right before the, the fight was supposed to begin, wouldn't you know that, that, that uh, uh, Sergeant Burns switched the ether they were going to pour on Trapper's glove with a jug of water? And so he gets in the ring with this guy, first match. And he has the worst boxing position ever. I'm not a boxer. I don't claim to be a boxer, but I do know that you're probably not just supposed to hold your arm rigidly straight into the face of the guy you're boxing. That's what he does. Or if it's covered in ether. That's what he does. But the guy doesn't, doesn't, get, uh, doesn't get knocked out. Matter of fact, pretty much the opposite happens. Trapper gets his clock rung, and uh, he has he has some severe brain trauma. Uh, he doesn't know where he's at. He doesn't know his name. And you would think his best friend in the whole world, Hawkeye, would say, "You know, you fought this guy." Let's call it. That's that's technically what we agreed to do in order to get Cutler back. Let's just go ahead and say we, we did it, get our nurse back, and go back to sexually harassing her. Uh, but he doesn't. He goes, you can do it. Just go in there for, for one more round and don't fall down. I got an idea. So he goes back in there and fights, and Hawkeye runs across the camp to go to their big buy, or big ether storeroom. They, they, they had... The last, ether locker. The last episode, they couldn't find hydrocortisone, but they've got so much ether they don't know what to do with. They're, they're knee-high in ether. But, uh... 
he goes and gets Ether, comes back, second round ends, he pours Ether onto Trapper's glove, and sure enough, Trapper's able to, to snuff out uh, this big old fat 250-pound boxing guy, and Trapper wins. And nobody ever wants questions. Hey, he gave him a hug uh, for a few minutes. He just wraps him up, and he just holds him for like 30 seconds, shoves his glove in his face. Not a single punch was thrown, and the guy just passes out. And nobody once goes, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. There's something fishy going on here. Shouldn't you have to get hit to be knocked out? Right. But uh, it's all, it's all good. The, the big guy uh, is knocked out by Trapper. He falls onto Frank and Margaret. Uh, So that's hilarious. Just a fat guy falling down on people. It's great. And sure enough. Cutler's brought back to the 4077. 4077. And uh, wouldn't you know, she's all concerned about about Trapper because he got a black eye in the fight. But Hawkeye's like, hey, I drugged a guy. But she's not interested in her or in him. And uh, that's how the episode ends. She's interested in the married man. I mean, there's some there's some petty theft in this episode. And yes, you could argue that again, uh, drugging of an innocent person has involved has been involved in this episode as well. But but as far as the crime scale goes, they really toned it down this this second episode. <laughs> Even though Frank Burns is the ranking surgeon at the 4077th, he is clearly out of his league. He's just a real, a real turd to, to pretty much everyone. And even worse, he's not up to date on his, on his medical knowledge. He's not up to date with the latest techniques. Even though he has, as he says, two cars and a $35,000 house. You go, doctor. I have <laughs> I have no house in a thirty five thousand dollar truck. So right. <laughs> times they are a you changing. go, doctor. And because Frank is not as talented and not as knowledgeable, everyone else on the medical staff goes to the one person who is the most talented and most knowledgeable, Hawkeye, for advice. Now. This makes Frank pretty sad because he's an entitled little turd bucket. Mm. And so Frank goes to Henry's office with a list of charges he wants to file against Hawkeye, all of which Hawkeye is incredibly guilty of. (laughs) Yeah, I really don't even need to have a hearing on this one. Yeah, he's guilty. That includes insubordination, being out of uniform, and a failure to salute. A superior officer or officer. All of these things seem to be fairly important in the army, but what do I know? Henry tries to talk Frank out of this out of this these charges because, you know, they're in a mash. They're saving people's lives. They're not fighting. It doesn't really matter, you know, about uniforms and saluting and stuff all that much. But he summons Hawkeye to his office anyways, and Hawkeye shows up in a pair of olive drab boxer shorts and olive drab t shirt and a very Maroon silk robe. 
But he was. Smart. I'm trying to think. Did he have his cowboy hat on in that too? No, but he was smart enough to wear his dog tags. Um, yes. And Franco, see what did I tell you about being out of uniform? And Hawkeye went. Well, I tried to sleep in my uniform, but my medals kept on poking me. <laughs> Henry's like, "Look, we got to do something about this. Now to avoid any more trouble, I'm going to appoint a chief surgeon." He goes, the person that gets this is going to double the workload. They're going to have a terrible time here. Like, we're having so much fun here in Korea, but they're going to have a, oh, they're going to have a rough time. It's all over now. They're going to have a rough time. And Frank's like, I can handle this. Don't you worry about it. I am the man for the job. Double my workload, man. I can totally adapt to whatever changes you want to bring here with the chief surgery position. And then and, and Henry goes, well. I hope you can, Frank, you can. because uh, I'm going to make Hawkeye the chief surgeon. And Hawkeye is so disappointed because because that sounds like so much more work that Hawkeye wants to do. Hawkeye, Hawkeye just wants to do his job. He just wants to do his job. He wants to goof off, chase the women, and just leave him alone. And then at the end of the day, isn't that what we all want to do? Yeah, just chase women and leave us alone. Yeah. Now, of course... Uh, uh, the decision that Henry made to make Hawkeye the chief surgeon does not sit well with Frank because he's the ranking officer. But Henry just basically says to his face, yeah, but he's a better surgeon than you, and he's much better than you under pressure. He's certified in chest and general surgery, and you're just a whiny little little man-child, Frankie. Frankie Pooh. <coughs> but Frank's he only cares about GI protocol. It should be his job because he has a high rank. And so he he says, I'm not going to stand for this. And then he walks out. But before he does, Henry goes, Frank, you're failing to salute a superior officer. And so Frank, uh, sh- with a lot of chagrin, salutes Henry. And then Hawkeye, who remains seated. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things about Hawkeye, is whenever a superior officer walks in and everybody snaps to attention, he never gets up, ever. Yeah, he doesn't care. He never, he ever care. gets up. And, and but, but Hawkeye just gives the most, like, tweedly finger wave to, uh... How you doing, Sarge? To Frank as he leaves. It's just great. And, uh... Sarge, that's a brigadier general. After, uh, after Frank storms out, Henry is actually sincere for a moment and tells Hawkeye not to let him down. And now Hawkeye is very flippant, but he to those he cares about, and he does care about Henry, he's going to do his best for him. Mm-hmm. Later that night, there's a uh, coronation party for Hawkeye in the mess tent, being the, the new king surgeon. But Frank and Margaret aren't there, because they're busy writing a letter to General Barker to just complain about everything. And wouldn't you know, in that letter to General Barker, he mentions that he has a $35,000 house and two cars. <laughs> oh, Frank. You know what's funny is I always look at the net worth of my doctor before going in there. I wonder where, yeah, how much I do he, too. How much where, he, where does he live? What's he driving? I mean, it's, it's important stuff like that that's going to be able to save your life. Now, of course, if there's one thing that's a turn-on to Margaret Hotlips Houlihan, it is a man whining in a letter to a superior officer. And so she gets all hot and bothered. They both get all hot and bothered. They start they start necking. Uh, Margaret tells Frank that his, his corporal leaves are killing her because they're just stabbing into her neck as he's going 
to town trying to give her a hickey like her neck is made out of mutton. He's just having a great time. But, in all their canoodling, they get a little carried away, and they accidentally break his typewriter. So now how's he going to complain to 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 Colonel Barker? Well... Mm. Barker goes, Poor don't Frank. you worry. Me and, me and Barker go way back. <laughs> Hot lips? And so they just, just go into Henry's office and and call call Bart and he's like, hey, you need to come down to this camp because things are going crazy down here. It's nuts at the 4077. So at 0200 hours, that's 2 a.m. for those of you who don't know military time, Barker arrives in camp and he's met by Frank and Margaret who tell him that there's a wounded man waiting to be operated on and he's been there for a half an hour. And the chief surgeon isn't operating. Well, Barker finds Chief Surgeon Pierce in the swamp playing poker with Trapper and an Australian guy who's very politely named Ugly John and another unnamed captain named Captain Kaplan. And Barker barges in there and he's like, what are you doing, Pierce? And Pierce is like, I'm playing cards. Shut up. Stop bothering me. <laughs> Leave me alone. That's basically what he says. <laughs> like the the general, uh, the surgeon general Barker over there. He's like, ah, oh, 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 Pierce, what are you doing? And Pierce's like, seriously, go away. Your breath stinks. I don't want to deal with your pudgy little head. Just leave me alone. But Barker demands that Hawkeye operate immediately. You see, Barker's a doctor himself. But Hawkeye explains that the patient's still in shock, so surgery is not yet advisable. But he did order a blood transfusion and expects uh, to operate when he is more stable and he has a nurse giving him our reports every quarter hour. So he's doing his job. He's just, you know, having a little fun while he's waiting. Mm-hmm. But Barker refuses to accept Hawkeye's answer and storms off to find Henry. But he's bewildered to just find the weirdness that happens in camp at the 4077. Even at 0200, for example, he sees a soldier coming out of the latrine and... There's a pair of very womanly legs underneath his trench coat. That he's just hiding, hiding this woman underneath a underneath a poncho. He walks into Henry's office, and there's Radar O'Reilly just reading some comics, drinking some brandy, and smoking a cigar. And he walks in to see uh, see old Mister Jones. I'm not saying his 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 nickname in this episode. I have worn out my use of the bleep button on my computer after last episode and I'm not going mm-hmm. to to say that and they find we know who he is we find african-american jones and african-american nurse ginger so that way it didn't upset the white audience too much playing strip dominoes he catches margaret attempting to sneak frank out of her tent and then he is halted by the camp's night sentry corporal Klinger, patrolling the camp and just a lovely, lovely skirt and heels. And you say, well, that's that's progressive of them. They have a woman patrolling the camp. No, a corporate clinger is like a six foot five hairy Armenian guy from Toledo. <laughs> now, Corporal Klinger is dressed like this because he's attempting to get what they call a Section 8 uh, released from the Army on, uh, or a psychological discharge from the Army. And this is the first of many. Uh, times we see old Klinger and drag. He, he actually becomes one of my favorite characters on the show as time goes on, but this is his first appearance. Hi, Klinger. 
Here's to you. Welcome aboard, my friend. And then he finds uh, a pretty nurse in Henry's tent while Henry's out digging for worms for fishing, and that's not a euphemism. He's literally <laughs> digging worms digging for, for fishings. Worms. So, <clears throat> Barker's had enough. This, this place is a madhouse. So, he finally finds Henry, and he drags him into the swamp, only to be told that Trapper and Hawkeye are in the operating room scrubbing up. They go into the operating room. Hawkeye informs Barker that they're about to have surgery because the patient is now stable enough for surgery. But Barker insists on going with them to observe. And the surgery is successful, surprisingly. And for a second time in three episodes, Hawkeye gets out of trouble by simply doing his job. Everyone's always impressed when they watch Hawkeye perform surgery. And when Henry asks what they should do about Frank if he continues complaining, Barker replies... Give him a high colonic and send him on a 10-mile hike. Which, again, is a great way to spend a Friday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, if you've never done that, you really should. Right into writing, Rotten or Righteous and let us know how that went. And Barker basically has to admit that even though 4077 is an unorthodoxly, or, or is ran unorthodoxly. Is that a word? It is now. Orthodoxly. Even though it's ran in an unorthodox manner. Uh, well, that's definitely a word there. They're still getting they're still getting the job done. And then he's forced to eat his words as Corporal Klinger stops him again, still on duty as the <laughs> century, only this time completely naked. And luckily, <laughs> he is so very hairy that they did not have to blur anything out. <laughs> Uh, you know, you know it's 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 funny. They were just. I love them to show how just appalled they were at that. At least put a slip on Clinger. No, they weren't appalled. They were just joking around. They're like, "All right, that's Clinger." He's a nutbag. And that's when the music started to play, and there was like a circle cut on a Clinger's head, and he just said, "That's all, folks." <laughs> Episode of That's Clingers filmed in front of a live studio audience. Trapper, at the end of the episode, there's an epilogue. And Trapper calls Hawkeye over for help during another busy operating room session. And as he arrives, Frank hesitantly asks Hawkeye for help with his patient. Trapper says he can manage as Hawkeye agrees to help Frank, who seems to finally accept the new chief surgeon. But tune in next Such week. A good ending. To when Frank completely forgot about that lesson and everything goes back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, I was, I was, I'd forgotten. Uh, I remember the episode, but I'd forgotten about the very end of that when Frank had done that. And then it's just so. I, I think they just should have left that out. There's no room for humility in this show. Well, it's normally cut. At least, at least yet. According to the wiki, uh, it's normally cut from syndication. Two things in this ah. show. Two things are in this show are cut in syndication. They're both in the the Hulu, uh, both on Hulu. Uh, one is the strip domino scene between uh, Mister African American Jones and and the African American nurse, and the other one's that ending. Ah, I did not know that. Here's some interesting. Here's some interesting fun facts about this episode. As we mentioned, this is Klinger's debut. 
Originally, this was only meant to be Jamie Farr's only show or appearance in the series. Matter of fact, he doesn't show up again in the entirety of season one. This is his only time in, in the season. But people just loved them some Harry Armenian, and he was brought back for season two and eventually became a reoccurring and a regular member of the cast. As Jamie Farr... Could you imagine... As Jamie Farr described in 2014, or in a 2014 interview, he was brought in for a one day's work and stayed on for 11 years. Okay, well that's going to do it for this week's edition of Rotten or Righteous Masher... <laughs> Masher Sackcloth. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's episode of Rotten or Righteous Mash and Sackcloth Edition. I'm Zach Geiler. <clears throat> I'm Scott Judge, missing Booch Taylor. And I'm Luke Taylor. I can't come right now because I I had me a little operation and I'm in recovery. But I'll be back soon. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Oh, what was the operation? (laughs) Oh, it's a surprise. But let's just say... we still call you... I'm probably going to win a couple swim meets against... (laughs) (laughs) Will we still call you Luke? Uh, Luke Seal is my new name. (laughs) (laughs) Luke Seal. (sighs) Hey, Luke, I know you never listen to this, but we miss you. This is uh, the time of our show that I like to remind you that although this episode was bad, your day could have been so much worse. This is actually a pretty good segment. Of course, these uh, days come from Bad Days in History, a gleeful, grim chronicle of misfortune, mayhem, and misery for every day of the year by uh, Michael Far- or Farquhar, I think is how you say it. It's a pretty interesting book. If uh, you're looking for something to read, I'd pick it up. But uh, today, of course, is March 3rd, 22, when this will episode will drop. And uh, on this day in history, Governor Schwarzenegger issued his pro-Hispanic policy. And that policy was, they're hot. On March 3rd, 2006, then-Governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, said, She's either Puerto Rican or something as Cuban. I mean, they're all very hot. They have the, you know, part of the black blood in them and part of the Latino blood in them, that together makes it. And again, that quote is from Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, referring not to Mildred Patricia Baina, later revealed to be the mother of his love child, but to California Assemblywoman Bonnie Garcia, in a quote later released from a tape of a closed-door meeting on March 3rd, 2006. Good night, everybody! It's not going to end well. (laughs) Oh, my. That's not going to end well for anyone. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, I'm done.
Hawkeye is gross, so he starts hitting on her in his usual Hawkeye manner, saying things that would get him canceled in about five minutes here in the modern world. But uh, wouldn't you know that old Burns and Margaret Houlihan, Hot Lips Houlihan, Hot Lips, hear that Luke, or hear that Luke. That's great. Hey, I think you're on this side. We need to nonchalantly put a Luke reference into every show, and and that hits the nail on the head. I don't know what... you need to stop flirting with the women like that. I don't know what it says about Luke that Hawkeye Pierce reminds (laughs) me of him. I don't know. know. uh, I'm thinking I may mail you some pantyhose, too, just for fun. So, uh... Size you wear, by the way. I wear, ugh, that's the size I wear. <laughs> if you have to buy panty size in my size, it just says, ugh, on the on the, on the wrapper. It, it, it just says, no. It says, ugh. When you ring it up, you ha- you know how, like, sometimes you buy something at Walmart, it says if you want, like, a two-year replacement plan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, mine, mm-hmm. if, you, if you buy stockings in my size, it just poop, and then on, on the screen it just goes, you sure? You sure you're positive? It's just a que- it's just a picture of your dad, like whoever's dad it is. Walmart, of course, has a database mm-hmm. of just fathers, just looking at you, kind of like disappointingly, going, "You really want to do this?" <laughs> it, can't, it can't be right. Oh, so, that's funny. 